I used to let the mic smoke. Now I slam it when I'm done and make sure it's broke. When I'm gone, no one gets on. Cause I won't let nobody press up and mess up the scene I set. I like to stand in a crowd and watch the people wonder. Damn, but think about it, then you understand. I'm just an addict, addicted to music. Maybe it's a habit. I gotta use it. Even if it's jazz or the quiet storm, I hook a beat up, convert it into hip hop form. Write a rhyme and graffiti in every show you see me in. Deep concentration, cause I'm no comedian. Jokers are wild if you wanna be tame. I treat you like a child and you're gonna be named. Another enemy, not even a friend of me. Cause you'll get fried in the end when you pretend to be competing. Cause I just put your mind on pause and I complete when you compare my rhyme with yours. I wake you up and as I stare in your face, you seem stunned. Remember me, the one you got your idea from. But soon you start to suffer, the tune will get rougher. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to another edition of This Is Recorded Podcast. Thank you for listening. We're here with a recorded family member, man. This dude is a great dude that supports my journey, supports the dream, so I had to return the favor, man. Please introduce yourself again. Give them the socials because, you know, that's all people care about. We don't have names <laughs> anymore, so give them your socials and then give them your name because your name doesn't matter anymore. Well, I mean, my social art is my name, so you can find me everywhere at, at Alton Chislam. I'm on TikTok, on Instagram. Um, yeah, uh, happy to be here again, man. This is dope. This is what, our third episode? Yeah, man, we getting it in. We getting it in, man. The creatives, they keep trying. They keep trying. But, yeah. man, give me, uh, you know, I usually do two good and, and one great because I like this positivity, but it get hard okay. for people. So I'll just do, let me, tell me one good thing about your week since we recorded on Saturday, and then one great thing about your week. Oh, gosh, that's a good question. So, um, man, what's good this week? Today is, oh, so I, I shot some content with a friend. Um, I've, I've been, like, trying to get back on, like, recording video content and sketches, and we shot a um, we shot a video. It probably took, like, two hours to shoot the whole thing, and we're just editing that down. So that was a lot, of, that was good, it was productive. And tell me one great thing about your week. So I went to um, the Brooklyn Comedy Club, which is like walking distance from my apartment, and uh, just had a really dope experience there and just networking with the comedians. And so that's you know that's why I'm here, you know, just networking with people, connecting, and having to go with a good show, having a homie come through um, from undergrad, and we just like kicked the whole day. So that was fun. And man, that's what's so amazing, and that's why I had to get you back on because you did something that a lot of people are afraid to do. You went out there, yeah. man, and you moved from California to New York City to follow your dreams, man. And, you know, everybody on the previous podcast, you could learn about Alton's brain and how smart he is and how he's able to do these things. This dude is like a mini calculator. He's the smartphone before the smartphone, man. Like I've known him for a long time. But with that, he didn't lose his humor. So he moved to New York for his dream, man. So tell the people, like, what was the thought process and when did you get the balls up and the guts up to just say, fuck it, I'm going to move to New York? And the, the motivation came from just like just having a lot of time to myself, man. I, I spent like, like, I'd say about maybe 30 days, just no drinking, nothing, just chilling at the house, just diving within myself. And I started to think like all the business stuff I've been doing, I've been integrating comedy like every single last one of it. And like I would get business partners here and there, but I would also lose business because people would think I'm not serious because I like I, I joke around a lot. And I'm like, yo, man, what if I just flipped it? Like, what if I just focus on the comedy first and then get into the business later? Because I already know how to run a business. I can start a business and make money doing that. 
let me figure out this comedy thing. And then I had like in the back of my head, the first time I tried stand up, I was 18 and I bombed. And I was like, yo, that was a traumatizing experience. <laughs> so this time around, I was like, yo, man, I'm, I'm about to I'm about to do this again. But this time I'll be more prepared. So I went to take a class and I took a class and I was like, OK, cool, man. I'm so glad I took this class because he wasn't coaching us on our material. He was coaching on everything else, like how to how to how to move the mic, like how to um, read the crowd, how to, you know, get the crowd on your side, like all, how to get a laugh when you first get on stage, like all these things that like have nothing to do with your material. So the material is still all me. It's all us. But I know how to move the mic. I know how to talk to the crowd. I know how to like talk to the host. I know how to where to position the mic. I know how to where to stand at on stage, how to slow down, like all the rhythm. And all I did was take that and apply it to myself. And, you know, so I'm, I'm naturally a funny person, but now I have structure. And so that was dope. And so now I'm like, I'm loving it because I know how to set up a punchline, set up a joke that I didn't know before. Like the, Everybody thinks, okay, you're funny. You go on stage and you're going to be funny, but nah, <laughs> you could be the funniest person in the world. You go on stage with no understanding of what you're doing up there. Like you are going to bomb. Like, it doesn't matter how funny you are because you're, you have to be funny to complete strangers and their brains are already built to laugh at things a certain way. If you don't have that structure, it's just not going to work. Bro, and that's what it is, like, because that's where we come from. Like, man, back in yeah. Lancaster, all we used to do was roast each other. Like, because, I mean, it's fucking... All like, day. It's Lancaster. It's not much to do. It's pretty boring, you know, unless you got some good people around you. And that's the thing about Lancaster is, man, with Chris and Pooh and your brother yeah. and everybody, man, Nico... Everybody, even if somebody had a dumb joke, it's fucking hilarious because it's like, that's the stupidest shit I've ever heard, but it was really, really funny in this moment. Or when the dudes that can't roast like that get one off, it's the most funny shit in the world, bro. Like, I love, like, and I love, like, people just being themselves because even if they can't dance, I love when people that can't dance go out there and dance because it's like, it shows you that they don't give a fuck. They're having a good time. Yeah. It's like, dog, this dude does not dance, but he's out there. Or this dude is not that funny, but he got one off. So it's like, yeah. and that's what we did, man. Oh, we had legendary roast battles. I remember one time me and you was roasted outside the college, man, uh, and we yeah. were just going at it. And it was just hilarious but we wasn't all yeah. sensitive like and like oh, gonna yeah, like want to fight or whatever because if you get sensitive we're going harder at you yeah. and that's what like <laughs> yeah. people don't know like boy if i see i'm getting to you it's over for you like yeah there's no return but what you said is so true because if all of us was to go to a comedy club and we would have a lancaster night it would be hard as fuck to get a random crowd to like just laugh at us so you taking yeah. that step and taking that that courage, them balls is like, bro. So you get up there, have a mic right here, and then you take this mic like, hey, so yeah, like fucking girls, man, they're crazy, right? They're so crazy, they should be in a loony house, and they're like looking at you like, like you're crazy, dog. What are you? What are you doing? <laughs> and then like it gets uncomfortable. Like I like Andrew Schultz, man. He's hilarious, and he was saying like he bombed so fucking bad one time. That he was in like a restaurant and he could hear the shrimp sizzling because nobody was laughing, bro. He's like, bro. And, and then comedy is such an amazing thing to me because it's like that shit humbles you forever because they all bro. continue to bomb. They don't stop bombing. Uh, 
They just oh, know no. how to keep the balls going. Talk about just keeping that courage because you said you were 18 when you yeah. was like, fuck that, and then now you back at it. So talk about that feeling of bombing, but also the feeling of like, fuck it, I'm going to keep trying. Man, so that first feeling of bombing, like if you're not expecting to bomb, like that's one of the things that they teach you in the class. Like you're going to bomb. It's going to happen, and it's going to happen a lot. <laughs> so you just got to get used to it. And so but when I was 18, I didn't know that. So I'm thinking I'm funny because I was, but I'm not stand-up comedy funny. Right. So I get up there, and I got two minutes, and it is just crickets the entire time. Not a single laugh. Like I'm up there, like traumatized. So when I when I when I get off the mic, I'm like, yo, I'm never doing this ever again. Like, cause it was just like not a single person laughed, and I think this material was hilarious. Nope, bro. And then is that's that's crazy, man. Yeah, and then now it's like I'm pre- mentally prepared for that. Like you're going to bomb. Like I've done open mics, and open mics are the best place to get your to get that feeling out because it's mostly comedians. And they're not going to laugh. So if they do laugh, that means it's fucking hilarious. Because the comedian usually does not laugh at your jokes. They might laugh in their head. Or they might chuckle a little bit, but they don't laugh. So if they laugh, they're like, oh, that's funny. That's how you know to, to write that one down. Like, that one worked. Yeah. And so that's how you you gauge it. Because if you go in front of a, a regular crowd and you haven't prepared your material yet, like, that's what's going to hurt. Because you're going to think a punchline is funny, but you haven't tested it in front of other people. So a lot of people, they look at these comedy specials and think, oh, this is a one-time thing. Nah, they've been working on that for years. They do. Like, they do. I think most comedians work their material to hour for a year. They yeah, work that least. whole thing for a year. They take some stuff out. They add some stuff. Ask they them. might get help, you know, because some comedians oh, yeah. have, like Kevin Hart and stuff, openly talks about having people on his team that help him. Them. So he's like, man, and then. You know, that's the thing about this comedy thing, man. That's It's like a beautiful journey. And then, like, it's also the gift and the curse because most comedians are deeply depressed. But they find a way to, I think, put good in the world by making other people laugh, even though they feel like shit inside. They just kind of like, hey, fuck it. But it's just something commendable for you, man, to really follow your dreams, man. Like... Because I think about life in like a job is a job, money is money, you need that, whatever, whatever. We understand that. But we don't know when our last day on this earth is, man. So it's like whatever you want, man, you gotta go for it. You really gotta follow your dreams. Like, talk about what that means to you to just like I wanna do whatever the fuck I wanna do, no matter what it is. Like, what gives you the drive to just do it? Like just try it. I mean, the older I get, the more I the, the less I give a fuck, right? Like old people was, say whatever they want. They say what they, what they want. They've already they lived a great life. It's like yo, I'm gonna die at some point. Yeah. And you start to get that understanding. And like, I know I can always find a job. I can always find a job. Like a job is always gonna be there. You live in your dream is not. You're gonna get older. You're gonna be less marketable. Like there's all these things that are gonna change that you're not gonna be able to do. Don't get me wrong. Like you could. There's always an anomaly. Like there's actors that didn't make it to their 50 or 60 years old right they bust their ass they finally hit you know those those things happen but those are anomalies so i do it while you're young always chase your dream
like even if you have a regular job there's there's 24 hours in a day find an hour a day to dedicate to your craft and that's basically what you know i was doing i was taking an hour out of my day to just like write jokes to write jokes and then to test jokes and the best way to test a joke is to do it on a friend without letting them know that you're testing a joke on them you're just shooting a line and they're like oh they laughed at that cool they didn't okay that's not funny <laughs> and then yeah. you go in and you work it out yeah and so it's like it's when you, when you touched on like the depression thing it's like that hit that hit home like most people who are funny are depressed or they're 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 using that as a defense mechanism because they're depressed and it's, it's true for me too like i've been depressed i've never had anxiety i have anxiety now but depression is something i beat before um so i mean i'm gonna beat it again but like that's where that 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 funny comes from it's like you're laughing at your own pain to make it you know productive and to get through it yeah and that's what man like boy you know it's so annoying now because it seems like avocado toast or like brunch or something the word depression the word mental health but it's such a real thing and it's such a thing that we're grasping now it's like nauseating to some people but it's the realest shit in the world it really is a thing especially in the black community and then for everybody in life, you don't know what you got through until you get through it, how bad shit was. And, like, for yeah. depression, like, you could be, like, mentally out of it. And then when you come out of it, you like, damn, bro, like, that was a badass time that I really yeah. tried to, like, joke yeah. it off or laugh it off or just drink it off or smoke it off, do whatever. But, like, yeah. it's a really rough time. But for people, man... I think the knowledge in self is like really a thing I've been reiterating for a lot of people is finding out what's wrong with you, what makes you go, what makes you not go. And what you have to do is like elevate the stuff that makes you go and try to get rid of the shit that doesn't make you go. And the number one thing that really doesn't make us go, this social media and this phone shit, boy, I'm telling you, like it's so addictive. I think it's worse than crack at this point. I really feel like, the social media shit is worse than because even if you, oh, I'm not going to look at certain things. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do it. You're still going to come back to social media. And social media is always going to feed you negativity because if I do a post like, hey, I'm with my friend Alton, you know, he's d- doing comedy and everything and follow us and check us out. But I'm like, no, I'm with my friend Alton. He shot at these people and did this and did that. Like, yeah. oh, man, let's click on this story. So. It just feeds you negativity. So it's like a lot of people got to learn what's good for them and what's bad for them. And doing the work for it is not easy. It's not going to happen tomorrow. It's not going to happen next month. It's just a continuous battle. But as the years go by, the days and months, hopefully you get better with it. And you got to really seek it because it's so easy. Even with the job thing, just I go to work, I get paid every two weeks. But stepping out and working hard for a couple months or a couple of years in like creating a life for yourself is fucking hard. So nobody wants to do yeah. it. So yeah. it's just like, man, it's so commendable for somebody like you to really like, it's such an easy concept, but it's so hard to really implement in your life. It's like, Hey, just live your life and do what you want. Yeah. People be like, what? Like that easy, man. but. Oh, it, it's it's crazy talking to certain people because they have like these preconceived notions and like i'm not a political person so i don't really tie myself one way or the other but a lot of it is from like the liberal side and like i'm not bashing liberals yeah but what i'm saying is like people are like oh 
you have privilege. Like you, you can just walk away from a job because you have money. I don't have no damn money. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like everything I have, I, I, I work for, I work to get a college education. I'm half a quarter million dollars in debt from school yeah. to get this education. Right? Yeah, this isn't man. like a hand me down. The reason why, I, and I, and I have to pay those loans back, but the reason why I walk and quit because I don't want to do this. Right. If you keep forcing yourself to do something because oh I can't do this I need this money to pay this and you you walked away because you can do it. I'm like oh, I'll be I'll be homeless like I'm not gonna be homeless for very long I'm not gonna stay in a situation I don't belong in like that doesn't make sense and I've always been that way yeah I've walked away from six figure jobs because I'm like I don't need this like I don't need you I don't need your attitude I don't need any of this I'm gone and I go make some money on my own because if you have that drive. I, everybody has a skill set, which I, I try to tell that all the time. People are like, oh, I don't, but you have this, you have that. I'm like, you have a skill set. What do you do? Okay, this is what you do? I got it. This is how we can use that to make money. And they're like, oh, shit, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, because you're so, your mind is so boxed in. Instead of you thinking, I can do this, you're thinking, I need this a job to do this. Like, when people, like, this pandemic, I'm so happy it happened, not for the people that lost their lives, but I'm so happy for all the, the, the Black entrepreneurs it created. Like I'm seeing so many black young black entrepreneurs that went from I need to go make twenty bucks an hour to I need to sell this book for twenty five bucks. If I sell ten books a day at twenty five bucks, that's two hundred and fifty dollars. They started looking at the way I've been looking at this shit for years, and I'm like, and this this man's nineteen years old. I'm like, salute, nineteen year old making six figures selling his own book. Yeah, and I'm like. Thank you. Like I've been preaching this for years, but it took the pandemic for people to get that. <laughs> it, it's and, it's had to sit with yourself. The pandemic yeah, forced exactly. everybody to sit, sit with themselves. And I feel like for me and for like the way I'm explaining like the pandemic is like 2020. It was like depression and it was hard and everybody was fucked up and seeing bad stuff all the time. So it was just really, really dark. 2021 was still dark. But it's like, hey, I've been in a real dark place. I can't really go back there. That shit was like gross. I can't allow my mind to go back there. And from now, I think in 2022, with knowing how ugly shit is and it's not changing no time fast, I think everybody in 2022 and beyond is putting in those like ideas and those things that they really want to do and get them off. Because since 2020, you realizing like, hey, bro. Tomorrow's not promised. Everything is fucked up out there. Let me just live my life. And then I think a lot of people are starting to live their life. And even, you know, a lot of people like, oh, you just got money. So now nobody wants to work and nobody do this. No, I think everybody's kind of fed up. I think a lot of people got money from PPP loans or from stimulus checks, but they took that money and did something smart with it. Or they chose themselves. My uncle died. My this died. My that. Fuck this job. You ain't talking to me no kind of way. You're not doing this. I'm not coming in here. Yeah. Fuck that. I'm going to figure it out. And that's the beauty of the pandemic. You know, it's sad with the lives lost, but it's inspiring with the motivation because you've been through so much dark shit and we still going through dark shit. So it's like, let me choose me because tomorrow's not promised. So. The pandemic yeah. is the gift and the curse, man. And it's really looking it more of the gift. If you have a positive outlook, it's looking more of the gift. But if you think negative all the time, it's just everything's so bad. That's it. Yeah. That's it, man. And I, lo- I lost more than most people can imagine over to this pandemic. 2020 sucked. 
2021 was worse. So I'm yeah. like, yo, man, this is wild. Like I lost my business. Yeah. I lost my backup business. Yeah. <laughs> I lost family members to COVID. I lost friends to COVID. I lost friends to like people that like, use them to my desk. Yeah. Like I lost one of my, my basically when a girl looked up to me as like, she was my little sister, basically lost her. And like, it, it didn't go out in the best terms and like lost my best friend. Like it just, yeah. it's just crazy, man. It's like, yeah, and that's what all it, the loss and grieving from these last two years has been nuts. In it, but it showed us that life don't give a fuck about none of that. What we talking about? So it's Got like you have one or two choices: you are gonna stay depressed, you are gonna stay fucked up, you are gonna feel suicidal, you are gonna feel all this shit, or you are gonna move forward and try to make the best of your days. And I hope that anybody listening, you grieve, you feel what you feel, because feeling your emotions is important. But you work at it and you figure out how can I get better? Because it can get better. Yeah. You know, I feel sorry for the people right. that stopped or gave up on themselves or got to that dark place where they ended their lives for themselves because you ne- you never know. You never told with all of us, we don't never know if we ever going to be like successful or not if we end it today. Yeah. But if we got yeah. like, look, if you look at yourself five years from now, you can see the growth. For most people, you see some yeah. kind of growth in yourself. You look 10 years, you really should see some growth in yourself. So it's just so important, man, to just figure out you. Knowledge yourself is the most important thing you could do. You should unlearn everything you used to think and used to know and start with a new slate and create the person that you really want to be. You really should do that. It's important. Yeah. And I was down bad. Like 2020, I was suicidal. People didn't even know. You you just hearing about this. Yeah. Like my, my mental health was like it's just to me basically and like maybe a couple people. And um got came out of that and then um twenty twenty one went right back into a, a similar dark space. I wasn't suicidal. Um, but just I was beating myself up because like I was like, I'm a failure, like I'm doing this wrong, doing this wrong, everything was wrong, was just happening to me. And then I started getting like I started posting my, my stuff, like, like what I was going through. And I saw it was like inspiring people. People were going through similar things. I eventually like deleted it off of social media, but I started to see that. And I also started to get like DMs from people that I hadn't talked to in, in years. And they've been following my journey. Like, yo dude, like I look up to you. Like I, you inspire me. Like I show my stuff to, to your, to my kids. And I'm just sitting there like taken back. Like, damn, people really look up to me like this. Cause I, I never hear it. You don't see it. And so that made me realize, like, yo, I gotta get get my shit together. I gotta get, I, I'm, I didn't realize that I meant this much to so many people. And so now I'm like, I mean, I'm not. It's not just for me. And that's, like, I'm not. That's it, man. Like, that's the crazy thing about suicide, man. And this is we're getting deep on this one, man. But that's the crazy thing about it is that, like, you get to a point where you feel like life would be better if I wasn't here for a lot of people, and. I don't care about myself, but the crazy thing about life and how hard it is, and that's why you got to become your own best friend and perform like put a good relationship with yourself in your head is because it's people that are really looking up to you, but they never say nothing. You're inspiring them and they never say it might be a neighbor like, hey, this guy wakes up. He, I notice he goes to the gym. He does his clothes. He does this. And he just really, he just always tells me, how you doing, Miss Franklin, or something like that every day. And it just makes me feel fucking good. 
So if this guy ended himself and all I see is negativity when I step out that door and I don't see Alton no more, it makes me think, damn, fuck this world too. So it's like all of us have, we don't know who we inspiring, but you have to inspire yourself more importantly because it's like, just like how you have a story on Instagram or you have views, you see people looking at your shit all the time, but they won't say nothing. And then you meet them in person like, damn man how's your journey how's comedy how's this how why the fuck you don't say nothing would i need this i need analytics in order to do well i need you to engage i need that inspiration that i'm doing a good job i need all this shit but nobody says nothing so that's what i tell people man when you're in that dark place number one never feel too little or too big to reach out for help because all of us is going through some shit all of yeah. us are mentally beating us up, ourselves up. Never get to that point. Like, for me, yeah. 2020 hit me. Like, I've always, like, damn, I want to try therapy because I've always been in my head. And I've always been, like, you know, damn, like, I don't know if I'm doing this great. You know, money gets in your head, all this stuff. So, it's, like, 2020, you know, my wife got in a car accident. And I was on the phone. And that shit fucked me up, like, real bad. Yeah. And she was, like, you know, I, the seatbelt is stuck. I can't really get it. And I'm like, yo, what the fuck? And I could just hear all of this. So that is what pushed me to therapy. I said, bro, that was traumatic as fuck. And I have a lot of other shit. So I was like, let me go to it, man. And then even for mental health, man, like for friends and stuff like that, I can be super high and I could be super low. And then it's like even my mentor, man, Mr. Richard, good brother, he asked me, he said, Reggie, do you think you bipolar? And I was like, whoa. Because I was like, you know what? I don't know. I was like, I don't think so. But then I started looking up the so. different things. And I was like, I can be really high. And then I could go really low. But the thing is, what me and my wife talk about, too, is that with clinical stuff, sometimes you can diagnose yourself or they'll easily just give you some medicine or something. So it's important that knowledge itself to really know yourself and know your highs and know your lows and figure it out. But when it gets real, real dark, and I don't feel like that dark, but when it gets real, real dark and you can't stand it no more, you have to reach out for help. And if it continues for me, I will have no problem going to like, hey, I need some help. You know, I need to figure this out. But it's just like, damn, like even a guy at work. He asked me, he's like, damn, man, he's like, do you think so? And I was like, I don't think so. But it's like, if the shit continues, then it's like, bro, you're going to have to go. Because it just was scary because that definition of really high and reaching euphoria and then feeling really low, that shit is real in my life. So I was like, whoa, you know, but I'm not ashamed of that, you know, and I'm not ashamed to. You shouldn't be. Just fucking like, hey, man, if I need some help. I'll go get some help. But what helps me is what I know is this podcast, man, and just really yeah. helping others and really going towards my dreams. So, I mean, because if you have a car and it needs work, if it needs a battery, yeah. if it needs an alternator, it needs these things, you have to put the work in. So if yeah. I just sit here, I just put out podcast episodes and don't do nothing else, don't work on making it better, nothing, it's not going to go nowhere. So I got to <laughs> put in the work, man. So... For those people out there struggling, anybody listening, don't ever be ashamed to reach out for help. But also for yourself, before anybody else tells you, find out what makes you high, what makes you low, 
and just figure it out. We here for you. Yeah. This is recorded, man. Yeah, for sure, man. Like it's um it's a it's a real thing. Like you have to know who you are and you have to know when you need help. And like I like both times like I went through like my mental breakdowns and depression, like the first time. Um, I like the there's always a catalyst. And the catalyst is always someone close to me betraying me. And that is like that is like the like the thing that just like just immediately shut down my world. And um the first time um if that shit happened to me, it was my mom. So you can imagine like how much of that shit just wrecked me. I'm like, yo, this is wild. So I went through that, um, took 13 months of therapy for that one, and then this time around, it was um a couple of my friends that I thought were like this and that shit just like yo, I just split my mind in half. I'm like, yo, I can't process anything right now. Yeah. And I'm still coming out of that one. I'm what seven months through. I'm almost out. Like I'm I'm like 95% of the way back. But like you just never know how it's gonna react, man. And I, I was not too big to ask for help this time. Like the first time I was like trying to keep it to myself, but the second time around I knew better. But also be careful with that because everybody's not built to handle your emotions. No. And I, I almost lost some friends because I, I had expectations of them to be able to handle my emotions the way I handle their emotions when they were going through their shit. Yep. But that's not the case. Everybody's not me. Yep. So everybody isn't like, I, I feel like we're, we're, we're similar. We're empaths. We feel other people's feelings. And I could tell, like, even when you're talking about it, I could tell you're getting emotional. I can feel it. Yeah. And, I had people trying to give me stupid ass fucking advice and I'm like, yo, dude, shut up. Like, I love you to death, but this is not what you think it is. Like, trust me. And then now that I'm able to completely explain exactly what happened, exactly what went through, it's like, oh shit, damn, my bad dog. I thought it was this. And like, I'm like, I don't blame you. Like at first I was like getting ready to cut you out of my life because I'm I'm emotional. Like I can't fucking control this shit. But then I thought about it later, like, oh, they're not built for this. So you don't vent to everybody. No. You find one person. Or two people that you can vent to just enough and you can slowly add more and then like okay okay this person can handle it now you know and now i have two people that i know that can handle my full range like which is almost impossible but i, I got two people in my life that can and those are the two people i come to if i'm not talking to my therapist and man one thing that i did do going into the new year and i want to do more of is reading books because reading books oh help yeah you. They help you. So many books back there. Yeah. And then even for, you know, my uh, stepdad, well, well, my father-in-law, man, Mr. Stark, man, check his podcast out. He told me, he always reiterates, he said, to all black people, for black people, they hide the knowledge in the books because they feel like we're not going to read. You know, it's so many yeah. great things. And if you think of the great thinkers and some of the great people, even down to the Nipsey Hustles, where you think like only nerds yeah. do that, even down to Nipsey Hustles, he reads a lot and he reads and yeah. he gets it's so much information in these books. One of the greatest books that was so cliche that I felt like I really needed to read it in my life. And I just finished it. I finished it on the last day of uh, 2021. There's the autobiography of Malcolm X, man. And one of the greatest things, one of the things I took away from it is that your family is important. The ones that care for you. And they love you because in the book, it was sad. He realized that he never really bought anything for his kids. Towards the end yeah. of his life, he said, damn, like somebody like the person, Alex Haley, that wrote the book or he bought it himself, gave him some toys for his daughters. And he said, damn, like I never bought nothing from them. It was always a mother. 
And he said, I never really spent that much time with my wife. He said, uh, in his last couple of days, he realized, like, I'll never leave without you no more. Also, what he realized is that he put so much honor and faith in man, meaning, like, it like in Elijah Muhammad and stuff like that. And, and he felt betrayed at the end when he literally will, he said, I will take the electric chair for him, you know, and that's what you're saying for your friends. It's like, everybody's not going to understand the journey. So you can't put them on this pedestal. And when they let you down, even down to parents, parents will let you down. Your kids will let you down, your brother, and definitely in a relationship. Come on now. Y'all are kind of together and you know, then you're not. So for people got to understand if you have one, is great if you have two is great but if you have one person you could confide in and believe in man it's an amazing thing and do not take these people for granted because they're very few and far in between literally if you have uh, one the shit is amazing man yeah. yeah it really it really is man but we got dark man we got lighting it up it we got lighting it we up got dark. yeah we got to bring the energy back up dark times edition <laughs> for the podcast <laughs> all right Let's go into some happy stuff. So let's go into the pros and cons of New York City, the greatest city in the world. Beautiful place. I'm Brooklyn born. Shout out to Brownsville, Harlem, Bronx. (laughs) Feel me, figure deal me, yeah. Welcome to the Empire State. Home of the world trade. Birthplace of Michael Jordan. Home of Biggie Smalls. Rockefeller headquarters. Ladies and gentlemen, Killer Cam, Young Hove is definitely in the building. Brooklyn, Harlem World, stand the fuck up. I'm a BK brawler. What's the pros and cons of New York? And so far, the pros, man, are just being able to walk everywhere, man. Like I always needed a car in LA or outskirts of LA, and like I just walk, walk to the subway station, food. Just in my little neighborhood, I would find like a hundred different restaurants, right? <laughs> so I'm just I'm loving that, like the convenience. I'm loving the um, the drive here. Like everybody here is working on something else. Like nobody here is just like, oh, this is my job. This is what I do. It's like, well, this is my job. These are my two other jobs. Like my hustles. Yeah. Like, and this is how I'm making my money you know, to try to get by and try to get out of here. And so I just respect that, you know. Yeah. And, uh, I'd say the cons. Um, it ain't as clean as Newport Beach, man. <laughs> no, New York it's is wild. And the trash on the street uh, in the city man. and the rats. And, oh, it's yeah, wild. Man. Man. Uh, the, the rats be in the subway. They don't even move. They don't, they don't even run. It's like you in my spot. So it's been wild out here, man. And um, it's the cold. I just, I'm never going to get used to the cold, right? I'm from Southern California. The last 15 years in the Irvine, Newport Beach area where it's like 70, probably 70 degrees right now. So to, for it to be 15 outside is just not, you know, <laughs> not what I'm used to. Yeah. But I did get a stylist and um, she hooked me up with a lot with a whole new wardrobe. So yeah. uh, my New York wardrobe is nice. Man, you know, you got to get the Tims and like I want to throw all the fucking shade and shit on Tim. Like Timberland <laughs> needs to get black designers in there because if you look at their ads, they're terrible. Like it's like you can tell like there's not a black person running these ads and showing these boots like you could just tell like the pictures and the way they show it it's like dog read the room most of the people that wear timberlands are black people in the hoods like 
why are y'all showing me this boot in this clean background and like this and it's well, like what? That's the, they're doing that because they already know black people gonna buy it. They're not they're not marketing to you. No, nah, they don't <laughs> care. They don't. But it's just like I I just really looked and I was like, dog, you could just tell it ain't no real black person in this room. This kind of like when Kendall Jenner was gonna heal racial tension with a Pepsi is like. Hey, what the heck? Like, did was it no black people in that room that was on that marketing team? Like, mm, I don't know if this is a good one right here, man. But uh, it, it's just a travesty to like see people do things that impact the culture, and it's just gross. That's why so many people need to really work on what they're doing. And man, the problems you see in whatever fields, you got to create the change and you got to do it because these corporations don't give a shit. They're just like going at it and going out there and like, hey, y'all going to pay for it anyway. So I don't really give a fuck how y'all feel about this marketing. Yeah. So I forgot um, I forgot who said it, but like you don't see ads for Lamborghini on Facebook because people are buying Lamborghinis you know, on Facebook. <laughs> no, no. It, so when you... it, they're not doing that. And then it's just different things that you see. They know it's like knowing your demographic and stuff like that. And that's what's so important like even for comedy for you it's just like you got to know your crowd know your demographic and i think with comedy too is hard because i think the best comics can do any crowd but it's all but it's definitely for black comics it's people that can do black crowds or it's people that can do mixed crowds or it's people that just only go towards a white audience but for everybody in any field you're doing i feel like you got to find your core like you gotta find like who follows you, who fucks with you, and you don't have to care about the ego of like, oh, I only need to do black comedy clubs, or I only oh, need yeah. to do this. Like, because I watched your video on YouTube, man. I'm gonna have to try to put the link in it, man. And it was good, man. It was a nice crowd, and man, you did your thing. Cause that's the thing, man. Even with this podcast, and I think you just gotta be honest with your friends and just stuff like that. It's like, dog, if it ain't good. Or it's not great. Like, I kind of need to tell you in a nice way. And yeah. if you like me and you value my opinion, you would know I'm not trying to shit on you. I'm just trying to like yeah. tell you the truth. Or, But this is what I tell people, too, though. Maybe it's not for me. Maybe I'm not your demographic. So who gives yeah. a fuck what I feel unless I tell you something that you could implement? You really should not care as much if I'm not really your demographic. Because I tell yeah. people, like... If they make music or something and I don't really like it's like, yeah, I'm not. But I know I'm not your demographic. But yeah. f- for you, man, I think you can do a good job of, like, playing both crowds. But I think, man, for you to, like, take off in that rocket ship, you got to be able to do all crowds. Because just the black yeah. comedy crowd or just the white, you got to do it all. But what do you think your crowd is going to be so far coming up? I think my crowd is going to be like me. I think they're going to be like like a millennial they're gonna not be too sensitive where like you can't go to a certain length and they're not gonna be like oh you need to be like raunchy and talk about all this shit and use all kind of derogatory slang and shit like it's just gonna be that that middle crowd that like loves the -the over-the-top humor also loves cerebral humor like i i drop things in my set that fits all the whole that that space people that are like me it's like it wasn't over the top but some of it was and then it's like it was cerebral. Like you have to think, like, oh damn, who's who's saying 
oh damn Saddam Hussein. Like, yeah, oh, see, you brought you brought him. You see, you walked the dog slowly is what I noticed yeah. when I was watching yeah. it. Because I definitely want to try stand up. It's on my bucket list, but I'm just like that bomb might kill me. You know, but <laughs> it just is like I seen you yeah, brought him in, you brought it relatable, damn. and you built it up. Once I had you, and once you smiled and you laughed, then I could say some wild shit. But if you come off straight on top, yeah, man. Hitler was my last girlfriend. People be like, what the fuck? Like, I, why is he talking about Hitler? And I don't even know for shit. Fuck him. It's like, but it seemed like the bad thing about comedians, as you get great at it, you can say, hey, how's your day going? And somebody be like, oh, you're so funny. And that shit got to get exhausting too. Like, I think that's the beauty of comedy is always challenge yourself, like bombing and stuff like that, is that, you know, they like to go into these nightclubs, mainly in New York, and tried a material, and people didn't know they was coming. They just went out there and tried some shit, and it's not necessarily their crowd, and they might bomb. Uh, Kevin Hart might bomb. Dave Chappelle might bomb. These big people go out there, and they try something out, man, and I think I, I commend you for watching that. It's eight minutes, so if people, you got eight minutes to go check it out, man. And so it just was like I seen you slowly walk them before you start saying wild shit because now – Comedy is either too PC or it's too over the top. There's no middle. And I think what I commend you on is finding that middle, man. So keep going. Yeah. Yeah, that's my thing is I want to stay right in there in the center because that's my natural personality. Like, I don't, I'm not sensitive. I'm not super sensitive. I'm not like, I'm not like super aggressive. Like, I'm right there in the middle. Like, and I enjoy all ranges of comedy. So I don't want to be like bottled in, like, oh man, you got to be the black comedian or you got to be the, the comedian that only does white crowds. Like, I want to be able to, everybody finds something funny within my set and that that's what it showed because even that crowd was you had older white people young white people older latinos young latinos older blacks younger blacks and it's like we all in this mixed crowd and everybody's laughing and everybody's laughing at different pieces like i had a dude come up to me afterwards was like yo man like that piece about like you know the shoe like yeah my my mom stole the chocolate at me bro like i, I remember that i was dope oh that it's was like, <laughs> the, the cutting the grass with the scissors is what it clicked in my head it was like he got it he got it and that shit is not easy but it was like when he said that when you said that it connected and then it built onto the shoe and the objects and the sound effects and then the way you was holding yeah. my you can tell too i was like I'm interested to talk to you because I was like, damn, you're doing really good, but it's good to know and it's good for everybody. You practice and you put in the work, you yeah. paid for it, you did all kind of things to like, yo, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right. And that's what I'm embracing now in my life is the hard journeys. Like today, oh, yeah. I've been trying to figure out how to put a logo in my videos. And today I calmed my mind down and I fucking figured it out. And it was like, oh my God. I feel, and then even with the podcast, it was like I took it away for a while, went through some shit in life, and then came back and made it better. And it's like, bro, it's showing, and I'm taking my time. Like this podcast is two to three weeks out from other ones, so I could take my time and really focus on it and make it the right way. Yeah. So it's like the key to everybody is that you got to really work at it. Like, yeah. and people don't want to work at it. Is the thing, man. They don't. They they expect overnight success, and that's just not gonna happen. You really got to just put in the work. Yeah, yeah, you have to do that, man. But people don't want to put in the work. People just want to come out the gate like, yo, I dropped my new fucking single, man. Let's get it. No, man, you need to go to these fucking, like, 
little bar, any open mic, you need to go out there and do it. You need to find your demographic. I cannot preach this hard enough. Why the fuck do your 34-year-old you think as a rapper you're going to reach these kids? No, find your demographic and build on that. Some of the greatest, like the rapper Tech 9 and the different comedians and stuff, they have a small community that gets them enough money for them to live the life that they really want to live. You know, so for anybody, don't worry about the big numbers. If that's your goal, stay focused on your goal, but focus on, like they say, the first year of a business, you just making enough money to put back into the business. So it's just yeah. like, and then and then later on you grow, and then I've seen a chart, it says like, it stays like this, really, you're not seeing no money, the chart, you're not seeing no money, and then you see all the effort. But then next year, and as you work, it starts to even out a little bit, and then after a while, the effort is not really there. Right now, Kevin Hart, hey, I'm coming to um, Brooklyn Comedy Club. One hour. Tickets go on sale. Tickets sell out immediately. That's because he put in all them hard work hours and so much okay. failure. And social media brings you to a point of like, we only see people highlight reels. We don't see the hard shit, man. You don't. Yeah. And people have no idea like all the all the struggles you go through, all the bombing you go through. Like trying to write material and you're like, oh man, this shit ain't funny. Like tearing out the pages, throwing it, or going and working out jokes that you thought were hilarious. And like, and they, everybody, they were like, oh, man, that's kind of trash. Like I literally have like jokes that I've crossed out. Like, nope, that didn't work. Yeah, man, and man, for you, man, I definitely, man, when I do it, I'm gonna definitely reach out to you, man, and get some pointers. That's what I love about this podcast. I got so many people. That do different things that I want to do. It makes it interesting. And what's different about my podcast. Like I want to interview people that help other people about life and on their journey. My yeah. whole thing about this is recorded is creating a life that you want to live and helping you and showing you other people's stories on how they're coming up and how they came up in their struggles. Because they don't really highlight that. They just talk about, you know, the big things and the great things. So this is what I want to do, man. But definitely when i go and i'm gonna try to do it uh i'm like alton it either went good or it went, <laughs> or it went bad man. man it's the the so the things that i've learned so far are one you do need the structure but you also too need to be yourself i've heard like that a lot yeah because you're gonna get i yeah i got so focused on the structure like the very very first time i got so focused on the structure and it just didn't go the way I wanted it to go. This time around, I was like, okay, the structure is built. I'm studying the structure. Like, this is my transition. These are my punchlines. But everything else, I'm going to just work with the crowd. There were pieces that were in that set that were improv. Because I could tell by the way the crowd was reacting that they weren't going to laugh at the next punchline. So I changed it on the fly. I just let myself come out. And then that's when people were like, oh, man, that shit was funny. Like, I... Like when I was like, oh, that, that was sus as fuck. Like nobody expected me because I don't, I barely, I rarely cuss in any, any in life and in like on stage. So yeah. they started dying laughing like, yo man, that was hilarious. But it just came to me in that moment because I knew the punchline that I had there wasn't going to hit that crowd. Yeah. And I think so, comedy is comparable to DJing. When you DJing, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. You kind of, you don't know the crowd yet. So you like, yeah. I'm going to start out with this song because this is like a safe one. And then I'll see if more people come to this song and then I'll drop this song. They not 
feeling it. I'm gonna just switch out to another song because like yeah. that one wasn't going well. So I gotta switch out real quick. In a song that you think will fire off and be great will be ass. And then a song that you don't even like like that was a fucking hit. Oh no, you like yo? So I think comedy and DJing is the same in that manner. Like you gotta just really gotta be a smart on the fly person. Yeah, you gotta be able to read the crowd. You gotta read the audience. You gotta know like, okay, this ain't working. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta switch quick. I gotta find something they like. That's why it's always best to not be the first comedian that goes on stage. Ooh. So usually the host has to warm up the crowd, and you hope that the host does at least five minutes, <laughs> so that you can kind of see how the crowd is reacting to the host. Because the host is usually a person who's um, who's in the middle. Right. They can make any crowd laugh. The hosts should be They're great the funniest already. person. Yeah. yeah, the host should be the funniest person because they got in. They they like as in skill wise, not necessarily the funniest person. They're not the headliner, but like right. they know how to the most to make any type of crowd laugh. Yeah, most, yeah. And so like you, they're like okay, they like clean. Okay, they like the raunchy stuff. I got a set for I, you. Have to have like three to five sets prepared because mm-hmm. you might have one set prepared that night. Come in, realize the crowd is different. Like oh, this is a clean crowd. Shit, I gotta change. Like this, this what this all these bitches and hoes. I gotta go. Yeah, I gotta do this crowd. Yeah. <laughs> I was talking to John yesterday about his lawn. <laughs> you know, yeah, you gotta, that, you gotta just bam. Especially make that sharp now, turn. nowadays, it seems like you could if you're in a real like like you said like liberal crowd or feminist or something. If you say a bitch or if you say something, you like whoa, yeah. that was not good. Let me switch it up and say something else and bring it back home. Like, yeah. you, you got to really be able to figure it out. But what I wanted to get from you, because you are a young genius, you are the smartphone before the smartphone. <laughs> and I would advise people to go back to the previous podcast because you just have a knack for figuring it out as far as, like, finance and financial things and just different, yeah. like, hacks on life. So if you could give, yeah. like, with the pandemic and everything and shortages and everything – What's maybe a few things you could tell people that they can do or look up and look into to make some money while building on their dream? Because I know you had drop shipping before yeah. and different things. Yeah. And like I said, go that's, back and listen man, to that podcast because he explains that. But what's a couple of things that I think you can see that can help somebody listening to try to figure out to make a couple of dollars for themselves? Um, I mean, well, the drop shipping is still working, um, especially if you you got <laughs> you invested in like baby stuff because everybody at home because of the pandemic, everybody popping out babies. So drop shipping baby stuff is like is big right now. Um, I'd say right now the the place to play around with a little bit of money if you can is in crypto and in uh, NFTs. So to have a Coinbase account. Um, I got out of crypto because back when I got into it, I lost eighty grand. It was, I invested a thousand, but it shot up and then I couldn't pull it out. I was trying so hard to pull it out, but it just it, we could not get it out. Now it's a lot better, a lot more secure. You can pull your money out a lot quicker. But right now, NFTs are going to take over the world. I mean, I was already aware of this a couple of years ago, but I was late to actually put money into it. So right now, just find a course on NFTs on how to invest in it and then just put a little bit of money. Like, don't put your life savings in there. But if you got a hundred bucks, 200 bucks, go buy a couple of things that are in high demand. And then flip him. So that's where the NFT place is flipping. Like a little kid literally jokingly posted NFT selfies of himself and he made $3 million off of it. Uh, it how do you go about uh, getting an NFT or purchasing one? Um, just, just Google it. It's everywhere right now. I, I use Coinbase to, to store it, but 
Um, I'm getting basically, torn to this, man. the the, the, the a quick a quick explanation of how an NFT works is: as the original creator, you get paid every single time it's sold. It's like that. a royalty, so it doesn't matter how who buys it, who sells it. You get a portion of that. You're the record <laughs> label for to dumb it down for people. Yeah, so you're the record label, and so what you want to do is create an original piece of content that that people are going to be interested in purchasing. And then whoever buys it, say they buy it for 20 bucks and then they sell it to somebody else for 30 bucks. You got that first 20 bucks and then you got a percentage of that 30 bucks. If that person sells it for a thousand dollars, you get a percentage of that thousand dollars. And so you can see if this, if this thing goes viral, like that kid selfie did, you start getting all these residual payments and bam, you got, he's sitting on $3 million at 19 years old. So Coinbase is a great way for an entry for people. To, it's an app. It's a store, yeah. So if you just, just Google, like, you know, um, NFTs, I, I would recommend taking a course just because you, people are buying, like, stupid things that sometimes they look up. But I would look at a course, see, okay, these are the five best um, places to purchase NFTs from. These are the, this is the, uh, the best NFT wallet. This is the best uh, cryptocurrency wallet to use. And then, you know, okay, I bought it from here. I store it here. And then if I choose to sell it, this is where I'm going to get my money. And then I'm connected to my bank account. I can pull it out from here. So it's, it's, it's very, very complicated. But there are people that are smarter than I am that can make it a lot simpler. Google and YouTube is your friend. Always. Earn yeah. Your Leisure is a great podcast and a great YouTube community that tells yeah. you a lot. And I'm sure they got one on NFTs. Earn Your yeah. Leisure is amazing, was, man. They're great dudes. Yeah. Yeah, I spent thousands of dollars on courses and like you don't need thousands of dollars. That's just because I bought so many courses. I bought twenty dollar courses, twenty five dollar courses. I've always made my money back. Like I bought a course from this um young black girl. Um she's I think she's probably a millionaire now. Like she took all her money and reinvested into like real estate. She still does her same main business, but she was selling a course twenty five bucks on how to flip pallets. And I'm like, oh, I'll check it out. Paid twenty five bucks. I made six hundred dollars like within the first two weeks off of that course. Man, I'm t- you know what? And I think schools are starting to get a little bit scared because like with us being in the smartphone era for about like 10 to 12 years now, uh everybody's smarting up and like school is like fuck that. I'll take a couple courses. This dude is giving one for $100. This that it'll be way cheaper. I'll take a course on photography. I'll take a course on dog grooming. I'll take a course. I'll look at YouTube. But then the course helps me to actually speak to somebody and have a community of other people. So I'm telling people, man, it feels like a lot of people feel like I'm not giving no fucking stranger. Who's Alton? I'm not giving him $30 to go to some bullshit course of his. But that $30 could change your life. But it's the misinformation of like school. You got to do it the school route. That'll have your ass in debt forever, and you might not be in the field that you really want to do. Like, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I, I charged like anywhere between thirty bucks and fifty bucks for my last in-person event, and I had filled up the room. And, 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 and it's everybody a way walked of money away with somebody else too. Yeah, every, I, I made money out of that, and I got clients out of that. And then everybody there, like one of the guys there, I think he made eight thousand dollars the next day just off of the knowledge that I gave him in the room. And it's like when people think it's they look at these things as like scams. I did, too. When I was younger, I looked at all these like we, we are these... trained to look at it. School is the route and Alton is full of shit. Why would you pay a one hundred dollars yeah. for Alton course? Well, Alton saved your life. But the school fuck it is the misinformation that like you got to go this route. Oh. 
But Alton, in one hour or one weekend, I learned more information than I learned in semesters of school. Yeah. And, like, I remember um, there was a conference that we went to. I didn't have to pay for it, but the conference was, like, five grand. We went to the conference, millionaires on stage giving you, like, real tangible advice, not, like, speaking from the clouds, like, oh, this is this. It's like, no, this is what you have to do. This is how I did it. They're giving you step by step because you paid for it. Right. Like when you pay someone, they'll give you step by step. They'll give you the blueprint of exactly what they did because they want to see you succeed. And the reason why they're making you pay for it instead of giving it to you for free, because people don't take free serious. Like I did free stuff and free events. Nobody showed up. I learned that shit. And it was the craziest shit in the world. Even in my photography, journey, even in my photography journey, it's like, bro, if I tell you I charge this much, you like, Oh man, like that's kind of low. Like it's like if you charge lower, they don't take you as serious. But if you charge yeah. high, they take you as serious. And then one time, man, I had to learn the lesson of like a uh, barber. I was like, hey, I want to do something for the community. I want to do like a a video game thing, and it's free, and it's people can go, and it'll be great. And he was like, young man, I love where your heart is at, but I'm gonna tell you something. If something's free, people won't go. But if you made them pay twenty dollars to get in. They not going to want to, like, blow that $20. They're going to bring their ass to the course, or they're going to bring their yeah. ass to the video games. And I was like, I didn't want to believe it at the time, but as time went on, I realized he was right. People will go yeah. when you got – it's so dumb that, like, I want to give you free game. Fuck that. That shit a scam. I'm asleep. It's at 11. I'm not going. But when you charge them, it's like, oh, no, nah, because he charging this shit got to be real. Or his photos cost this much. So, no, nah, them shit's going to be crazy. It's like, dog, I'm not doing nothing different than somebody that charges way less than me. But yeah. it, it's just crazy. And for people, like for me with podcasting and different things, once I get good at it, I could start having courses where I teach it for a certain amount. And that creates income. So anybody, whatever you're doing, when you become great at it, you can start making money like that is a new wave in the pandemic as well is teaching workshops of different yeah. things like even the was really exploded was the um at home workout sessions yeah dudes is in their fucking house selling ten dollar courses to a thousand people for this one hour and getting guapped off like getting so much bread off of being in his living room with his phone, with his iPhone that he's going to pay for it anyway. Yeah. It, it's like the, the more simple shit is, the more people don't believe it. It's the wildest shit in the world. They don't believe you. Yeah. It's simple. It's mind-blowing. I had a, um, I'll leave her name out of it, but I had this this young woman that I, was, that I brought on as a, a free client because she couldn't afford my services. And so I was like, cool, I normally charge 5000 a month, but I like you. You're a friend of a friend. So I'll, I'll teach you because I want to see you succeed. And I was giving her all this game, all this structure, and she would use some of it. And then she would like push back on a lot of it. I'm like, yo, this is what you have to do. And then she was like, oh, okay, whatever. Then she like disappeared for a little bit. And then she came back and she's like, oh, I paid a, um, I paid a coach $10,000 um, to help me with my course and to help me with like, help me with all my stuff. The guy was telling her the same stuff I did. He just charged her $10,000 for it. That's just like man. I'm like, 
it's like, it's crazy. Like shout out to DJ Envy because he flips houses and he has courses and he sells it for way cheaper. Because real estate is the oldest money-making thing in the world. But he was giving these courses in the hoods and really wanted the people to, like, get the information. Because he said these different white companies and stuff like that, they charge a gazillion fucking dollars. And they not. And DJ Envy brings the people to the courses that can help you in your city and everything like that. But sells it for way cheaper. But you rather pay for the $1,000. It's like... We have to unlearn that if it costs more, it's better bullshit. We gotta stop that shit, man. Like it's, it'll be to the end of time, bro. Like I, like I looked at an Aston Martin. Like I mean, and I'm looking at the interior of this car, and I'm like, yo, this is trash. How much is this? Two hundred twenty thousand dollars. I'm not paying for this. <laughs> like I just, I, it, 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 you know what? And even I think Shaq or somebody they said the same people that make a Shaq shoe makes. A high-end shoe. The Walmart yeah. shoe is the same fucking people. They just market. And marketing is everything. Because I can sell everything. you. I can sell you bullshit. And if like I something. market it well. If Jay-Z says. Reggie sells this and it's cool. Everybody gets it. Yeah. Like like all the all these private shoe companies are doing that now. And like when you were saying all that. Like there are things that are, are truly worth their value. Like I've been in a Bentley. I've been in a Rolls Royce. Like those are that's worth it's worth what you're paying for it, but then there's other luxury cars that are like, yo, what is what is this? Like, unless you're driving like a Mercedes AMG or M series BMW, like you're not really getting what you're paying for. You're getting like it's like it's, it's the marketing oh, of yeah. this mom man. You gotta get the, even the thing that kills me. We could talk all day, but I'm about to oh, rap, yeah. man. But the thing that kills me the most is these fucking rappers with jewelry. You don't know the truth. This jeweler sees your young black dumbass and said, yo, you're 19, you're 17. This this pin is when I dip it in this uh, gold or platinum or whatever and these diamonds, this is the best shit ever. Then they just, yo, got 20,000 on my neck, 30,000, 50,000. Okay, what quality is it? Where did it come from? What country? How did they, how long did they... I don't know, but you're sold yeah. on that shit because it's been marketed your whole life that jewelry and everything is, but you don't know. Still. Yeah, you gotta. If you, I mean, that's the thing. As long as you know, like you gotta, like there are like like things that are appreciate, like watches appreciate in value. Like Rolex. you can get a Rolex and Audemars. Like you get jewelry, like diamond necklaces that appreciate because there we are. We have a limited resource. Diamonds are a limited resource. You can make synthetic diamonds, but it's not the same as the original. Right, but if you got it, but you got to know where you're getting it from. Is this a where's this where are these diamonds from? Or you have a it's a seal of authenticity. Yeah, because you don't want to walk around with something and find out it's too gazy. Like you see, spent three hundred racks on it. You see rappers all the time now, like where like people be like, "Yo, that's fake." Like little baby, I think had a situation, and then I think Ace Hood one time his Rolex his watch broke down literally on the red carpet, and it's just like, man, I just want these. Young brothers are smarting up, but they're gonna continue to do it. Do whatever you want and make the mistakes and shit. But it's just jewelry is the one thing that sticks out to me. That's like I don't, I don't buy it. You don't I know don't shit even, about this, it. bro. Bro, my ring costs Damn. like sixty dollars. It's faded as hell. It's from like JC Penny, bro. Like it's nothing too yeah. crazy, because it's just like it's the meaning behind it. It's not the actual thing. Yeah, like I like earth tones. 
Like I would get a black tungsten ring if I if I ever get married. Yeah, I think it's um, tungsten. Yeah. Yeah, but um, like everything else is like earth tone. Like all my jewelry, like black and brown, and it's like beads and it's like stuff that's made from like the earth. I like love I don't, beads. I, don't, I love beads. My nephew, he popped my beads, man. My little uh, yeah. ten month old nephew, he ripped my shit. Like fuck this, give me this shit. And he popped it. And I had it for years. I was so sad, but. Yeah. yeah, I just let him do it, man. But man, we could talk forever. We definitely gotta yeah, keep up more, cause man, this, we had a deep conversation that we gotta check up on each other more, man. All people, but definitely in the black community, we gotta do that more. But before we get out of here, I like to do speak into existence. I've been narrowing it down, cause I've been at podcasting now for a minute. So within this time next year, speaking to existence, what will happen in your journey in comedy and in life? And speaking it into existence, one year from today in comedy, I'm gonna be able to have a tour, like on on either on someone else's tour or my own tour. And in life, hopefully, I'm back to being self-employed, no longer working for someone else. Um, I actually do like my job and like where I work, but like at the end of the day, like I know I know me. I'm gonna eventually be back out on my own and just being able to take that comedy and turn that into speaking engagements and just where I'm working for myself. And just, you know, book, you know, booking either booking myself or hiring an agent, having them do it for me. And this, that's, that's, and this is yeah. recorded. 